live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, here we go, everybody, and welcome to episode number 135 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, April the 2nd, 2022. My name is Jeremy Lee. I do want to thank the guests we had two weeks ago, Adam Gray and Eric Myers for the PWCC Premier Extended Auction Watch Party. We had what a great time. And also thanks to John Wee from Center Stage for joining on After Hours. Apologies if you were waiting for a show last week, but I warned you for a while leading up. I was at the Mint Collective, so no show last week. Next Saturday, I have to, you know, is up in the air. I do have a friend's 50th birthday party next Saturday, so we will see what I come up with. Maybe we'll do a late show that night. I want to shout out channel supporter whatnot. Check out their app for group breaks, one-minute auctions, buy it now, hosted around the clock by some of the best breakers in the hobby. I got to meet that crew at the Mint Collective last week and excited to go live again now that they are set up fully for Canada. That is a beautiful change. Shout out the West Coast Sports Collectors Convention in Vancouver coming up April 8th to 10th next weekend. Check out bossashows.com and the Sport Card Expo will be in Edmonton April 15th to 17th. I will be there. I cannot wait. And then the Toronto version will be June 2nd to 5th. I will be there too. Sportcardexpo.com. Check it out. Shout out to TradeSafe, your risk-free alternative for trades and buy sells from any peer-to-peer social media platform or marketplace. We've created a service, a process, and a team that makes remote dealing so much safer than ever before. TradeSafeHub.com and be sure to add TradeSafeHub, sorry, hashtag TradeSafeHub to any post you do on Instagram or Twitter. And that is basically listing your card for sale or for trade. Thank you to all of the subscribers, viewers, and podcast listeners if you're not yet subscribed to the channel please go ahead and do so. As always tonight, your comments, your questions are in play. Let's get to tonight's guest. He started in the hobby in 1990 when he was a young kid and started with 1991 Skybox basketball. He collected through high school, took a bit of a break and came back in 2020 after discovering the hobby on Discord, buying Lucas. <laughs> the good old Luca card, right? He now owns Rip and Wax sports cards. His favorite team is the New York Yankees. His favorite athlete is Michael Jordan. Born and hailing from New Jersey, let's bring him out, Chris Molillo. Welcome to Sports Cards Live. How are you doing tonight? How we doing? We doing good. How are you doing? Super excited to be here. Well, it's 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 great to have you on the show, Chris. You know, we uh, we we sort of met, I guess you could say, because of the episode I did not too long ago with uh, with Josh Luber when he announced the V Friends project and zero cool you watched that episode and then uh you you kind of reached out to me from there so let's just start with that because we didn't know each other until last month basically and uh so what was it sort of what was it about the episode that we had with uh with josh luber that made you uh sort of reach out to me and uh and i guess is part of the reason why you're here today oh well first off um i've been following you for a while on youtube sneaking in over the past two years, you know, catching myself up on the hobby because of the individuals you bring onto the show. So he's one big name that I wanted to hear what was going on in the hobby because I'm a breaker and it looks like Fanatics is coming into the sports card space. And as a breaker, 
I'd like to hear what he had to say. So, you know, I didn't know he was on other shows. When I first found out, I found out he was on your show. So I tuned into Sports Card Live. Right on. Well, that was cool. You reached out. You actually shared it quite a bit on your on your Instagram. So thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, and then what was next? So the Mint Collective was last weekend in Las Vegas. You were there and uh, got to see you there. So talk a little bit about uh, the Mint Collective and your experience. Actually, before we get into that, let's let's learn a bit more about you, Chris, because, you know, I've had one or two breakers on the show before. This is episode 135. So, you know, we've been doing this for a while now. I've had a couple breakers on in the past, but it's been a long time, well over a year, I would have to think. So let's talk a little bit about you as a breaker and, uh, but what led to that? So you started collecting in the early nineties as a kid. How long did you collect and what, what kind of got you to maybe take a break? So from what I remember as a child, you know, literally days, the 1990s, I'm born 1983. I grew up in that time where, you know, that insert, the 1990s, Jordan was everybody's favorite player. The Bulls were in the championships. You know, basketball was crazy. People went after basketball cards. Sports card shops were everywhere. I, I started collecting, like most kids, around six, seven, eight years old. I first had a 1990-91 Skybox under my tree, and there was a local card shop that happened to be right next to the high school and no farther than a mile and a half for me to ride my bike to for basically my whole childhood. So growing up as a kid, this is a store I went into until I was 15, 16 years old until high school came. And, you know, American Legion ball, high school ball came, and I was I was big into baseball. So those are the things that took over at that time, you know, getting my license, 17 years old, girls, like, let's be honest, these are the things that took most guys my age, right? <laughs> For sure. I will admit, though, when I went through high school, yes, it was the same, but I kept my I kept my eye on the cards still, even right through grade 12 and, and graduating. University kind of slowed down a little bit, but still had my eye on things, was still buying the odd set here and there. But so that all happened. I mentioned in the intro that you got back into the hobby because you discovered some Luca PSA 10 prisms through a discord channel. So what discord were you on that was, and what, how did you get there? If it was a sport well, card discord. First the discord came about because I was reselling on eBay and Amazon. And I didn't know about discords until I found out about resellers. Resellers happen to use discords to post items. In. Well, at one point in time, there was a reselling Discord. I have to think of the name of it. It still exists. I believe the name was Flip Flip. And they brought up Lucas at the time as a hot ticket item, maybe something to flip. I believe at the time they were 180, 190. And when we first really made the buys of 10 plus Lucas was at $300. And that was eBay right during the pandemic. I think it was right in the middle of March of 2020. I think that's when we made them, and that's before they made the next jump into the five six hundred dollar range. Because if you recall, the Luca went up over like a twenty four hour, forty eight hour period in the range of two to three hundred dollars, I believe it was. So, so you found the Discord, you found the Lucas. How did that? So, what happened to go from buying some Lucas to becoming rip and wax sports cards? Okay, so next thing it was was bots. Bots were introduced inside of Discord because inside these Discords, Discord spoke about sneakers as a flip button. Well, sneakers were being purchased by using these bots. Well, Jeremy, in the beginning, I purchased a bot, 
the bot hit on target. And I'm sure you've seen the TikToks over the past few years of these guys with massive amounts of stuff ending at their front door. That happened to me in 2020. So talk a bit. Listen, I've never talked, never talked to somebody who's had a bot before on the show. So let's talk a bit about because my my perception of bots in the in the space is that a lot of people feel that it's unfair to have a bot because you're given an unfair advantage sort of thing. Okay. So but and I and I I raise this to you not not as saying it's unfair, but because you're you're I mean, listen, I've I've heard you chatting before. We've been on on Clubhouse together, and you're very you're very open and honest with the way you approach things. So, and I appreciate. I think the audience will approach that too. But let's have, let's hear your your perspective on bots. Okay, so coming from my thought is okay. I need to capitalize on the space. A right. So we're in 2020 or 2021 or 2022 at that given time. You want to use the technology and something that's modern that you know gives you a a hand up. These things are accessible to everybody, right? So if they're being used in other niches, why not convert and put this in this niche? So other people were doing it. It was working. It was something for me to be able to obtain a mass amount of product at once or at, you know, at a, when they delivered given time, you know, but I was able to order that much. Do you understand? That was a big thing. And the first thing, Jeremy, was to flip this stuff. Remember, I came from a reseller discord. So the first intentions was to flip all these items. And that's the that's the thought process first was I'm a capitalist. Take one thing small and turn it into something larger, right? So I believe in that and entrepreneurism. So that's what led the path of the Lucas, the bots. The bots allowed me to obtain an item by not going into the store and obtaining mass amounts of it. You know, quite blank. That's what it was. And I didn't care what others thought at the time. That never even crossed my mind. Yeah. And and I mean, hey, if it's if it's not illegal and it's available and other people are doing it, I can understand why you would just sort of, you know, go in that direction and help yourself build your business. So let's keep the story moving along then. So you 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 did it, you bought the bots, you accessed mass amounts or or good amounts of inventory. And how did you like, where were you buying the, where, what sites were you using the bots on? Like Panini, that kind of thing or where? So the bot was first used on Target. It was Cyberbot and Swiftbot. It hit for Tops, Megas, Baseball at the time. It was 2020 Bowman's, I believe. And it hit for, um, at that point in time, it was hitting for Prism stuff and Mosaic stuff. The bot would hit 100 plus Megas, you know, 100 plus hangers. Is what happened was is, People from the Discord came on my Instagram one night when I hit a load of product. Well, that one night had like 50, 60 people on my Instagram. I literally sold all the product for 5 or $10 more. Wasn't really there to clobber anybody. It was just there to move it over and have some fun. Well, Jeremy, that's where it all burst. I went live again, again, and again. At that time, though, I was already breaking and spending my money. I can say experimenting in others' rooms, though. And then I had the notion that I could do it after that. So what was it like then moving from just flipping product to breaking? Like, and, and how did you, let's, let's, I want to understand how did you build up your following your customer base so that you could, uh, and then we're going to, I mean, you've really advanced from there. We're going to talk about how you've come from Instagram, but how did you build up that following and build a reputation of someone that people wanted to do business with? Well, like anybody else, I, I've called myself the good flip. And 
you know, just built like a following by posting stuff in the beginning by a collector. And at the time, you know, Instagram was really in 2020, like grooming its way. And I was going in a room called Rizzo Sports Cards. At the time, Rizzo was a hot room on Instagram. A lot of the in people that wanted to get like the in product or the good stuff at that time, that was the go-to place. That's where I did my experimenting at the time. And that's where I first got my foot in my leg. And that's where I understood the entertainment aspect. I understood the buying selling aspect. And I said one thing, Jeremy, I either want to be on this side or this side. And I chose this side to be on, not this side. So, you know, that, that was pretty much it, you know, quite blank, dude. I saw, I seek opportunity. So now you need product. When you're a breaker, you need product. And, you know, my understanding is that it's, well, everybody's understanding how hard it has been to get product over the last couple of years. It's tough to get direct accounts. Were you, have you ever been able to purchase directly from Tops, Panini, or even not, maybe not directly, but from the main, the major distributors, or are you someone who has to pick up your product on the secondary market? Uh, it's my favorite topic of conversation that we're about to have here. Okay. So we can, this is the type of conversation that can get pretty deep as a breaker. I think anybody listening to this or anybody that will be listening to this completely understand what I'm about to say. So as a sports card breaker who was birthed in 2020, um, I would say during the pandemic stage, we like to call it, this was a massive stage of growth. And at this time, I recognized immediately because of sports card stores in my old past lineage and history in the hobby, I right away went to a couple sports card stores that I grew up to as a kid, and I asked right away, how can I obtain and what can I do? They basically started explaining to me, and that's when I found out right away about, you know, GTS, Southern Hobby, Peach State, all the names in the hobby, you know, Gold River, every name that you could possibly think of that was wholesaling or selling wax, and what was the strategy to be able to get into them? Now, I owned a previous business before, so I knew opening LLC, EIN number, going those routes would be some of the first things. But I also wasn't as young as maybe some of these other guys or blind to that. Um, I had a father that was a, a banker. He taught me business savviness. So I've owned a few LLCs. So I jumped to that right away. And is what I did was I recognized that it was going to be very hard to break in and buy off a distributor. So I immediately took to finding any way to buy wax, any means of what I like to find, what I like to call the black market of wax. Anybody that would backdoor wax, anybody that was holding wax throughout the years, that was acting as a middleman or a wholesaler outside of the general wholesale, you know, actual wholesalers that are out there. That's the route I looked and I found out that right away this market existed. And that's the market I immediately tapped into right away to buy from. And eBay. Buying buying unopened product on eBay, waiting for it to get shipped over, and then opening it on the channel. So in the beginning, you got to remember, it wasn't easy to obtain product during the 2020 stage. And not everybody had all the money to buy cases of hobby the way I do now. I didn't have that buying power, Jeremy. My buying power turned from mega boxes and single hobby boxes into the cases that we see today. Uh, okay, and so it really, you just had to build your bankroll for lack of a better term. One over another. Yeah, yeah. So 
these challenges for of getting product for breakers it seems to me like the hobby overall the whole ecosystem of our hobby puts a lot of value into breakers breakers are not just something that's happening it's not just a trend they are a significant you know a, a really a significant cog in the chain of distribution within our hobby and yet it's tough for you guys to get product are you seeing any improvements there do you sense any improvements coming how what's what are your thoughts like how are you because it's a continuous battle. How do you deal with that? So I have been offered from distribution companies to be able to open the door and buy off them. But then this is the problem right away. They immediately create kind of a roadblock. And the roadblock that they create is they charge a higher price than I'm already paying now. So if I already went this route that I went and I'm buying product the way that I'm buying product, right, which I like to call the black market of wax. There's all these other ways to pre-buy. I mean, you can even go online. There's You could pre-buy months in advance and catch wins. Because by the time the product comes out, it could be 20 30% higher. So you already made ROI there. But I've had the opportunity to buy off them. How could I go now and say, okay, I'm going to go now spend $60 more every single box. That's what they want to charge me. And don't forget, I have to now build in allocation with them. So... I'm going to have to pump a significant amount of dollars to them over a longevity of time in order to build the reputation and rapport with them now, you know? So I just opted the route to not go that way, to continually to lay down. And listen, I found channels. The reality is I found outlets and I found ways that we do not need to use distribution. Wow, really interesting. Let's let's just switch it up quickly. Are you a collector as well, personally? Yes. And what what do you collect? So first off, let's talk about something I love. Gary V's right here. I think most <laughs> people that know me know I love Gary V. So why do you love? Tell me why why do you what is it about Gary V that you love? What resonates with you? Okay, so in 2017, 2018. Um, I started following Gary V. My son was born in 2018. That's when the reselling came about. When I started reselling, Gary V was somebody that resellers really looked at. So 2018 and 19, I'm a reseller. I'm looking at Gary V. Gary V's a garage sale guy in New Jersey, back in the sports cards. I'm in the discords. Next thing you know, you're putting the things together now. And at that time, Gary V had Allen and Ginther's. And I went out and bought 17 autographs of his and graded them all. I think at one time, I think I could say I was the largest Gary V collector in the country, his autograph card at least. But um, yeah, it's um, he helped change my life, Jeremy, by listening to the things the man provided, by allowing me to take action in his daily the man has things, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from here. I understand him, I think. So the things that he said, I applied in my life and I look at me today and I, I look back and I say, you know, it's a direct effect of taking action by certain things that he allowed me to see, you could say. So he showed you, he inspired you. That's basically what Absolutely. you're he, he inspired you. That, that, hey man, that's, that's probably the most sort of genuine and reasonable uh, explanation I've heard as to why somebody would never mind uh, be a fan of his. And, you know, I know he has millions and millions, but also own his cards. Like that's, that's, uh, 
I don't know. That's pretty genuine right there. Do you collect any any athletes, any basketball, baseball, hockey, football cards? So can I tell you this too? It's not just that that I collected his. He came yeah. out with a case with sneaker that I have over here. They only made 300 of them. I collected that. He came out with a special edition Gary V. Puffs cereal box. He gave them out to his podcasters. I got my hands on one of them. Nice. Gary V's Wine Library is 20 minutes from here. In 2020, he did a special show there. I met him there. I was able to take pictures and autograph with him and everything. Down to earth guy. Absolutely awesome. But yes, I do collect other athletes. Um, one athlete right now that I, I love to collect, I love to collect LeBron James. Um, I've been a fan of LeBron ever since the Kobe tribute card. When that card was horizontal sideways, him dunking, it recaptivated me wanting to reinvest in the LeBron James. Um, I recently just uh, started buying Mickey Mantles. Mickey Mantles? Yeah. Like vintage? Yeah, I think uh, it's a big play. After seeing Card Ladder the other day post, um, you know, the Babe Ruth Goody, and I noticed that it was up to $60,000, Jeremy. I had two of them in my hands, Tampa Bay Show, less than a year ago. The guy wanted 19000 and I didn't buy him. And I see two, one $65,000 now in a PSA 5. Oh, it blows my mind, you know, that market that exploded there. So, yeah, I don't want to miss out this time. I'm buying some Mickey's. <laughs> I love it, man. Okay, let's take a minute. Let's say hello to the crowd. We haven't done that yet today. Jake Thal, what is going on? We got Richard Zangrillo in the house. Jeff McMahon, MLW Fishing Man, hello to you. Drew's Cards is here. Lucky K, good evening to you. There we go. Shout out from Richard. Ripping Wax in the house. Alf Gaudet says, nice shirt. I'm wearing my whatnot shirt. I'll tell you guys one thing. If for no other reason, you go to a car, you go to the National, you go to the Mint Collective next year. The Mint Collective, by the way, was excellent. It's going to be every, it's going to be an ongoing thing. You can come out with a nice collection of t-shirts and hats. Oh, hey, check it out right here. Check it out right here. There it is. Is that how you wear it? Is that how you wear it? Hold on. it. Up, up above the, there we go. That's my, I got, I even got a rip and wax shirt at the Mint Collective. I know I, you wear it so much, you wear it so much better than I do, Chris. So much better. Big Rube says, shut it down. He wants to know to you, Chris. Big Rube here from Card Fellas. What's your favorite product to rip? What's my favorite product to rip right now? My favorite product right now is F1. I think he knows that. F1. Yeah, there's been yes. a lot of action on the F1 lately. Chad Shipper, good evening to you. We're Caesar uh, Alcazar asks a question that we are definitely going to be getting to soon, but let's just get right into it right now. Uh, before we do, Crackton Card Co. says he has 12 of those Gary V signed Ginters and goes on to say Gary V is the reseller's goat, which you've just corroborated. So, hey, we're not going to doubt you guys on that. Makes sense. He is very inspirational in his just in his daily social media appearances. But let's go to Caesar's question here. He says, any concerns about fanatics taking over and their distribution process? So why don't you, uh, why don't you jump into that, Chris? But give me one sec. I want to go to Crack Cards. He says, just go to the big shows with a shirt on your back and you'll come home with a wardrobe. That's what I'm saying. I've got like four other ball caps right there. You can see. I'm going to quickly... This is my this is my baseball cap haul from the show. We got Liquid Marketplace. These guys are going live right away. So good luck to Liquid Marketplace. Whatnot. We're I know you you stream on Whatnot. We're gonna get into that. Whatnot sponsors the show, and I work with them. So excited about Whatnot. We got the 
PWCC hat, nice new hat, says vault on the back, one of one vault, that's kind of neat. And then we got the this one, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, Beckett has relaunched their brand and this is their new logo. This is the new Beckett logo right here and this is my Beckett cap from the uh, from the event. So, and then of course, the rip and wax, which you see, see Chris, usually when I wear a ball cap, the, the, the beak here, it'll like, you know, curve down and contour to the head better. This one doesn't contour to my head, but boy, it looks good on you. And okay, we have Albert Jones. Good evening. Richard says PWCC had the bit had the best swag. I love my hat and my portable charger. Right on. Okay, let's go back to Caesar's question. Concerns about fanatics taking over. And then this is going to be from a breaker's perspective, as you are a breaker. You know, you also are into the liquidity of the market, as you explained to me pre-show. So I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose sight on that and kind of group you as just a breaker unless you want to be. But any concerns about fanatics taking over and their distribution process? Yeah, I just want to say something. You know, people ask me real quick, Jeremy, what they look at me at. I think I'm a sports card breaker, collector. I'm one of you, but I'm also an influencer in the space, learning to share my experience and provide that value through, you know, the things that I've learned through pros and cons. I just want people to realize that, though, that my experience is to provide that for you guys to see to try to help you in any way. Now, what was the question again one more time? Any concerns about fanatics taking over, you know, with the new with their licenses and the and their their distribution plans or process as you understand it to be? And and hey, maybe you have some insights because you probably got to talk to them at the Mint Collective, but you know, and maybe take us through not just your current thoughts, but you know, as a breaker, it's the same thing for local card shops. It's you know, every even it's the same thing for the employees of card companies who weren't sure when when it was announced that they they got the licenses for baseball, football, and basketball, most of the licenses. You know, if you're working at Tops or Panini, you might have had some concern. Those concerns have been alleviated if you are an employee of Tops. I don't know what's going on behind closed doors at Panini right now. But from your perspective as a breaker, how has your kind of emotional response evolved from knowing that the Fanatics was coming in all the way through till today? How has that, has that been a bit of a roller coaster? How's it evolved? First, absolutely a roller coaster. When when I first heard this in the break space, you know, instantly emotion comes into play, and I say to myself, "Oh, what am I going to do? Fanatics come in this space; they're going to look to you know gobble up the space and take it over." But hearing him speak on your show, hearing the talk in the community, hearing Clubhouse, hearing him speak, hearing the outlook on what. Fanatics really wants to do on the space from what I'm seeing so far is they don't want to just come into the space and roll everybody over like this bulldozer and get rid of everybody. We're not going to see that happen with these card shops. We're not going to see that happen with the breakers. I think they believe and they recognize that breakers helped grow the space over the past two years, that they're a strong part of the ecosystem. And so are the sports card shops. You know, I believe that they're going to find a way in order to bridge the gap here. And what I mean by that is being able to provide a product that can be given to breakers and sports car shop owners, recognizing that they both have a play in the hobby, that foot traffic is just as important as virtual traffic. Even though that virtual traffic can lay down 10 times the amount, and we all know this, 
by revenue dollars that if a breaker like me, who could drive a few million dollars a year compared to what your local sports car shop can do. And that's simply and solely the fact because I'm a virtual sports car store because I can drive virtual foot traffic in the amounts that a store just can never do. You know, it's just not possible. So I, I said to myself in the beginning that I needed to recognize what was going on here and learn as much as possible. So I immediately took to the internet, tried to find out as much as possible. The Mint Collective cleared some things up. Um, I got a chance to speak to fanatics um, at Mint Collective. Um, I spoke with uh, the memorabilia department. I was lucky enough to say that um, I'm loving the fanatics to the table. I think I'm okay to be able to say that. Um, I'm going to be having memorabilia to start with. We're going to put it on whatnot. We're going to um, do helmets, mystery boxes in the shape of, you know, anything they have to do with the memorabilia side of things. And the reason I'm intrigued to do that was, you know, I want to be able to show them that, you know, whatnot's the platform that, you know, things like this can be done on. And the space that we're in right now calls for this. And that breakers my size not only can just move wax and move slabs, but we also can move autographs because there's a huge demand and a huge place for autograph memorabilia in the hobby. We are seeing that today. Um, whatnot actually has a niche, a whole division dedicated just to memorabilia now. I think it's about two months in running. But um, I also recognize and hear that, you know, they're reaching out and they're recognizing what has taken place over the past two years. They're recognizing the players, the ones that draw attention right now, the ones that produce numbers. They're, they, they need to know all this. I think that they're going to come into this. I think they're showing already that they're understanding, A, sports card collectors behavior b breakers and sports card shops behavior i think they need to understand all those characteristics and group it all together and realize what's taking place and from what i know right now they're doing a very good job at putting all this stuff together right now um i think you're going to see them move very quickly i think that we're going to see them with some sort of break team i think they recognize this i think we've heard this chatter a little bit before um and we also heard the chatter about them and you know maybe releasing dutch auctions to release product maybe and allow um the sports card breakers and the shop owners to maybe dictate the price of the market maybe um when i heard stuff like that i was very intrigued why wouldn't we be wouldn't that be completely transparent and something that would be um like on a voting system something that is um uh, democracy right there. Isn't this, is, that, is that the right word for it? I don't know. But isn't there like a, some type of a system there that if we bid it and chose blind Dutch auctions or Dutch auctions, Dutch auctions to set the price of a product, wouldn't that be as legitimate as it could get? I, I would think so. So when I heard things like this, super intrigued. Um, there's some more stuff, you know, until I recognize and start to learn more about it and speak more to people and fanatics and tops and People along those lines, um, let's just say I'm very interested. My ears are to the streets, um, just like yours are. And I'm when I can share more information or when I hear more information, I, I'd love to be able to share it with you. Yeah. You mentioned the Dutch auction thing. And I mean, that that obviously 
reminds me of when Josh Luber was on the show here a couple of weeks ago uh, when they had just released the V Friends. It hadn't even been, the, they hadn't completed selling it. Now you're a big Gary V fan. I'd like to hear your take. What do you think about, what do you think about V Friends being the first zero cool release? What do you think about the, 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 the aesthetics of the cards themselves and and uh, you know because you you can I'm guessing that if you are a fan of Gary V you will buy these you will buy or be interested in these cards no matter what they look like a lot of people thought they just didn't look that great a lot of people like the the foil accents where did you fall what was your position on on the V Friends release okay so I don't have them Jeremy. Um, I have FOMO. I wish I had them. Um, I wish they were sitting up here, just one box. Um, hopefully I could trade some for one one day, but, um, I was blind to it. Um, I'm a member of his, I get his messages to my texts, to my phone all the time. I'm part of his community. Um, this was talked about just like his NFTs, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, I missed his first round of NFTs. I didn't believe in it at the time. I, I didn't believe in the NFT at the time. I got in the NFT boat a little little late. I bought some of them. And then, you know, I don't know why I missed this one, though. Recognizing that I was late to the NFT, why wouldn't this translate? So I think one thing we have to recognize, though, is a lot of people that bought these or maybe buying these or holding these could be a lot of crypto and NFT holders. So it's a mixed space to me. Um, when I first heard of the box price going crazy, me as a sports card breaker and heavily initiated in the sports card space, the first thing I said is, uh-uh, I don't like this. No way. Something wrong here. How are these cards going this much money? Well, why, then why aren't my Gary V's worth double that then? That's the first thing that comes to my mind. The Alan Ginter's been around longer. Why are these? And just like you said, no, I did not like the design. I thought it was just, I didn't understand it. Now, though, I'm starting to understand it a little more. I'm starting to recognize that. Look, I talk about the oddity. These are, these embody the oddity. Like, I think we can agree upon that. These are as odd as the oddity gets. And if that's what I'm preaching, then what, what happened here? So, you know, it makes sense. Why wouldn't it make sense? I think everything in this space right now is the unorthodox. Yeah. I, anything in that nature could happen. And when it does happen, I think we go look back at it and try to find out reasons why it does. So when we see other things that come about in the space, kind of with these characteristics, maybe we could be a player on these new things. Yeah, no, you know, that makes sense to me. And uh, I, I appreciate your honesty on, you know, how you feel about it. And at the end of the day, this is the very first trading card product under Fanatics. So there's something historical to that. And obviously Gary Vee is a key influencer in, in social media. So there's something to that. And if these if this IP ever turns into something, these would be their very rudimentary early sketches of these characters, right? Wow, you just got me thinking right now. Did we miss the boat? I mean, did we miss the boat? If well, the I didn't said, could it is it the it's his it's the first fanatics, correct? It is, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think what you just said right there is gonna make people think. I don't think everybody looked at it in the way you just said it. I think people looked at it as Gary V and Gary V only. And I think that's why a lot of us missed it. And at the end of the day, let's be real here. Gary, I love you. Hopefully you listen to this, but he's trying to buy the Jets, isn't he? <laughs> isn't that the end goal here? That is his end goal. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Too funny. Okay, let's, uh, oh, so 
I didn't buy any, but I did get a, a promo box of it. This is what this is what the you know the promo box looked like. If you know, I haven't even done anything with it because I was supposed to get this the night before he came on the show with me, but because I'm in Canada, it didn't get here. I finally got it when I got back from the Mint Collective. I got this thing. So this is this is what it looks like. And uh, let's just see what's inside because I like I said I haven't uh, haven't gone through this yet, but. That's what came in these promo boxes of the V friends. So there's a, there's like a handwritten, I don't know if that's actually Gary's autograph on there, but if it is, he wrote my name in his autograph. It comes with a, like an old floppy disc with, it says something on it. Oh, it's, jo it's uh, Josh's manifesto, I believe. There's, there's a, there's a cap in here. There's a disc drive. And then the box of V friends is under there. I haven't even taken it out yet. So. But I think this itself is a pretty cool collectible at this point in time. Want trade <laughs> for a pack of uh, upper deck upper deck premier hockey? <laughs> no, I'll keep it. I'll keep. Hey, Richard tells me that is 100% Gary V's auto. Well, isn't that nice? Very nice. I've never had a, a Gary V auto before. Let's see what people are saying about my hat that I'm wearing here tonight, Chris. All right, Lapper. Good evening. Welcome to the show. Justin Vick says, I'm looking forward to their pop culture releases. We know Jackass is coming out here. It will be the next one. Show Your Slabs is on the show. The, the hat game is fire. You better believe it, Corey. You better believe it. Bobby Burrell knows. What is that? Bobby says, it's, it's the Fanatics rookie product. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Rich says, no one has better hat game than Jeremy. I'll take it, Rich. I'll take it. Justin Vick says, put some GI Joe cards in that flashy box. Yeah, hey, we, we no, I will not do that. Will not do that. Chad Shipper, another night of SCL. Very good, very good. Richard, I'm a, says, I'm a Gary V authenticator and ink wax paper collector. Says it's Gary V's auto for sure. Slab it. Yeah, I can make a cut auto out of it or just just put that. Maybe get that whole thing slabbed, right? And James says that Rippin Wax is one of the good guys. So that's a nice compliment for you, Chris. I love it. I love it. Lapper says forward hats are for baseball players. <laughs> Very nice. And ink paper need the hat backwards and to the left a bit like Dapper's like Daps fan. Daps fan. I, I don't know Daps fan, but I think I think I spotted him at the Mint Collective if I if I'm not mistaken. So, Can all right. I wanted to uh, go ahead. Thing real quick. Yeah. yeah, I think Jackass and. When I was at Mint Collective, I really took a look over everything that was taking place there with tops and recognizing, listen, at the end of the day, I just want to say this, the jackass stuff, I believe, is going to take, it's going to do the same thing that the Gary Vee's did stuff did. I really think so. I well, think that that it's the same thing, you know. I believe it's, I believe it's got 10 times the production. I believe it's like 10,000 boxes of that, I think. And and V Friends was a thousand boxes with eight eight hundred being open to the public and two hundred being sort of placed by uh, for promotional purposes. So, but I think it'll be a different thing, right? It's uh, I just think it'll be a different thing altogether. But they have a lot of a lot of good plans for the brand, and it's not going to just be Gary V product or NFT related products. It's going to be pop culture and that sort of thing, which I think is great. Tyler makes a comment here. He says, if the V Friends end up being in children's books and cartoons, et cetera, those cards are gonna end up being pretty important. That's that's my thoughts exactly. Now, that's a big if. The very first word, that's a very big if, but Gary V has so many fans and so many supporters 
that it's it's a big if, but it's definitely plausible. So I guess we'll we'll find out in time. I want to I do want to come back to something with you in a minute, Chris. But a couple more comments here. Good evening, Tom Bullard. Welcome and great to see you, Steve Foley. Says Rip and Wax. It's been a pleasure to listen to you in Clubhouse, which I can uh, corroborate that as well. I collect each euro. Says a lot of pop culture has taken off, so wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, definitely. So, Chris, I want to go back to breaking for a second. There's a lot, you know, breaking group breaking. I remember when it kind of first became a thing in the late 2000s, and then we had we got into these things called razes, and then you got into these things called mystery packs, and now you get into other things that I don't, you know, Jordan, who's on Clubhouse all the time, he, he does some breaking. He knows all the different uh, different ways that breakers entice people to buy product and reward them with various things. And I've heard a conversation where there's even something called, I think, a monopoly board approach. There's all these different approaches to breaking. And some people in the space consider it to be a little bit too much of a gamble like roulette wheel spins and that sort of thing and i've heard you respond to this before and you did it in a real eloquent way so i want to give you that opportunity again to talk about different sales strategies that are used on the group breakers use whether it's on whatnot or any other live selling platform or just on instagram or a youtube channel or breakers.tv any of that sort of stuff what are your thoughts on these different ways and do you feel like it's too much of a gamble or even if it is, is that okay? I'll, I'll just let you speak to all that. All right. So first off, um, being in this space, um, I think is what we did in the beginning was, is look, we all just wanted growth. We all were just looking a way to double down and find a way to provide another outlet, another shape form of something to provide to the end user. I think is what you've seen happen was is you saw the easiest stuff get implemented in the beginning. It went from basic draft to taking a snake draft where you like ladder it. So if the guy picked first the first round, he would then fall down to the bottom. So you saw stuff like that, which were like basic implements in, you know, if you were to draft something like that. But then you started seeing everything from the wars were just wars, but then it was you know, razes are a way to spot fill. It was a way for people to take one spot, break the spot down, and how would you do that? That's when they had to come in with either a dice roll, names, numbers, randomizer. That's the only way you would be able to do something like that. So when you first saw that introduced, now you open the door for so many other things because you start to see games, dice, TV screens, all these things. So now you open the door to all this. Now everybody, it's a free-for-all. So is what you saw took place over the past year and a half was any way in any way to sell an item and any way in any way to implement a game effect onto that break, people have taken advantage of. And they've taken advantage of either the platform they were on being able to do it. We've watched whatnot. And listen, this is whatnot's job. Whatnot is so new. I want people to know this, that you're going to see whatnot have to clean up things. It's a new space. They're brand new. They're learning as well. But you got to remember something. They're implementing. When there's something that's wrong, they're taking action, either weeding it off or implementing something new. So we have to remind ourselves that. On Instagram, on Facebook, nobody's going to do that. The breaker's going to do what he wants to do and continue to do because Facebook and, and Instagram 
They're not catered to sports car breakers. They don't even care. Their Instagram is for social media. If a person decides to take their niche and go on to Instagram and provide their niche net value through that platform, that's their choice. Whatnot was made for these purposes to provide a seamless type of um, value and a seamless type of um, solution to the sports car breaker, you know, or the live seller, you could say, because whatnot at the end of the day is for live sellers, depending on the niche that they're in. But um, yeah, you know, um, re- re- rehash me again re- real quick with what else did they, what else do you have to say? No, I mean, here, I'll, I'll bring up Richard makes a quick comment here. He says, whatnot just needs to cut down on the over gambling in games once and for all. So, you know, maybe ad- address your thoughts on that, because I guess it really comes down to, you know, what's what's legal, what isn't legal? Is there any is there any illegal activities going on or is it just that some people in the hobby don't like it? So for once, I'm a breaker that only uses a randomizer in order to draw a name. Uh, just like anybody else with the dice to roll it. I break all personals on my channel. I really don't even do breaks that much no more. My other daytime breakers sometimes will do day breaks. I think is what happened also was is you had so much competition that people had to look for another way, Jeremy. So they started to look for these other ways and they started to do these things. I'm not a fan of seeing these pokey Pokemon-style games that got introduced in the sports cards kind of. And it's not a shame on the Pokemon community at all. Maybe that's what works there. Maybe that's something in that space that is, you know, that's respected or it's okay. Well, in the sports card space, those games don't belong. You know, there's no um, – we're not we're not picking 25 suitcases up here and drawing a winner now what slabs behind the suitcase. Like, that mystery-style game stuff doesn't make sense. Now, you want to run like an auction and or have a solid baseline pack because we all know in the sports card industry, there's a lot of companies that make mystery boxes. And the whole thing is to chase down one of the grail hits that they provided in these mystery boxes. You saw that get out of hand, though. I also think you saw what not clean that up. But no, I was not a fan of it. I was somebody that was pushing back against it. I was somebody that was a breaker that was working very hard spending $20,000 on slabs, putting my packs together in the correct way where, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to buy $20,000 of slabs in Germany and turn them over into $40,000. you are not even supposed to make that happen to $10,000. Your profit margin should be like in any other business, 20 to 30% on something like that. And let's be honest, when you're doing that, you're making more of a profit than you are on wax. It's just the truth. You know, you don't, you don't make all that money on wax all the time. And people that think that you do, they have the wrong notion here. You know, wax is very expensive. You know, wax is not cheap. Um, if you buy early and you buy smart, you can make that little extra ROI that gives you those wins. But, no, I'm not a fan of the gambling. I think we need to get rid of it. I think all these extra, I should say, these extra dice games that look make it look like we're in, like, a Atlantic City um, poker house. That's not what sports cards are. Sports cards are you buy a spot, you buy a box, you enjoy the box open, you enjoy the entertainment. The breaker's job is to provide that and then curate the cards and be like a librarian and someone who takes care of these and then provides good shipping and quality care, you know. 
that's what a breaker's job is to do. And that's, you know, we need to get back focused there. Implementing all these games, we need to get rid of it, point blank. Yeah. It, it can't be. It's You fill a spot, you buy a division, you buy a team, and that's it. It seems to me like it, like you said, it seems to me like people were just getting more and more creative with, with ways to do it. But, you know, maybe there is a line that gets crossed and then it just comes down to the community to really scale it back and, uh, you know, kind of center again and re reset the room and move forward from there. So Chad Shipper says here, I got back into the hobby a few years ago after basically stumbling into breaking, opened the doors to acquire more products like the cup, which is, you know, hockey's exquisite or, or national treasures. Uh, that I normally couldn't drop that kind of money to buy. So there's, you know, I don't think we need to, I think we all recognize that breaking has, has not, it's not a fad. It's here to stay. And, uh, and it's something that a lot of people, a lot of people like we had some more comments coming in on uh, Gary V's V friend. I like Willie T wants to know, will there be a Lee friends in the near future? I can tell you all that uh, Gary is a much better drawer than I am, believe it or not but I'm sure he is. Justin says, I'm not sure the characters are mainstream enough for large licensing deals. Ink Paper says, V Friends is the next Pokemon. Tom Bullard doesn't see Gary resonating with kids too much, to be honest. Kids book, yeah. Cartoons, not so much. Could be. I mean, I read my I read my three-year-old three books every night before he goes to bed, and uh, some, of those, some of those characters in, in those books, the Mr. Happy book I read him last night, not that much more creative than Gary V's drawings, I got to tell you. Uh, Tyler says Gary's a big picture guy, so I wouldn't pa put him past it in the future. That's for you know cartoons and that sort of thing. Justin Vick says I view V Friends as an entrepreneurial sandbox for Gary. It puts his document the journey principles into practice. The blueprint worked. I think he'll move on. Interesting, very interesting stuff. Joe Neiman says Rippin is the man. Bring in the knowledge. There you go. That's for you, Chris. Justin Vick says, love the thought Chris puts into the breaking game. Sounds like a professor. There you go. Rip, <laughs> professor Rippin' Wax. How do you like that? No, I appreciate it, man. I I just want to say something. I, I think I have a lot of my followers watching this tonight. Um, I have a great community. I have a great community on whatnot. I just like the time, take the time to thank the community. I think the community is growing. I like the opportunity for my community to become your community. And to recognize that guys like me and you and other sports card store owners and collectors and hobbyists and influencers, we all need to start working together and shedding light on how this hobby continues to grow together and how we continue to educate the youth and how we continue to progress to move forward together. And, you know, I, I listen, when you ask me to come on, I've been ecstatic to come on. I, I, I respect you. I respect the hobby. I love my followers. And just take the time to just, you know, just give a little thanks to them right now. Oh, it's, I'm, 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 I love hearing that. And, you know, you said like, we need to help prop each other up. And that's one of the things I use this, this show for sports cards live is to introduce more and more people to the hobby or to, to my audience that, that is a, a small part of the hobby, but still it's a great way to, uh, to just get more people to know more people, even though, you know, they don't know you personally. Hey, I didn't know you personally until I saw you at the mint collective, but it's, it's platforms like this shows like this podcasts, various you know whether it's facebook instagram twitter and then you meet somebody in person you shake their hand and it does take that to the next level and really helps enhance all of our experiences and something i've experienced i think you'll appreciate this chris is you know myself and several partners we just launched trade safe and i've talked about at the beginning of the show we've been talking about a lot now we're really trying to push it and you know basically 
it's a it's a platform to help people do trades remotely okay but that's not i'm not here to i don't want to talk about that i want to talk about the support that we have seen from other entrepreneurs in the space both startups and established companies in the space are reaching out and saying hey we love what you're doing we love the idea let's see if we can work together and that's that's what you said right let's see if we can work each other work together prop each other up support each other and i think that'll grow that'll that'll make for a very unique industry at the end of the day the industry that underlines the whole collecting hobby because we need services and products in our hobby to keep it growing and interesting and all that so it's nice to know that you're you're of the same mindset you want to help everybody corroborate collaborate and work together and and really make the hobby a special place does that make sense to you is that kind of where you're at of course absolutely at the end of the day look we only grow as we grow together i think we all recognize that in this space i think that sports i think the stores started recognizing that i think they wanted this and then when they saw it happening they were a little you know at the end of the day look this hobby is going to grow it's going to continue to grow we just need to find ways and channels and make sure that we have some let me when you enter a break room it's nice to see people say hello i think that we've missed out on some of the morals values and some of the guidance in some of these things so i think it takes guys like you that run this guys like me that own run a break room to make sure that we teach these young kids that you know pay respect to the breakers the sports car shop owners the older guys the guys that run the shows on the weekend listen everybody's a collector at the end of the day everybody loves this that's involved in it um we all grow together but you know there's Let's talk about that. The break space. The break space has been an ugly space, Jeremy. Well, I mean, it it's really changed a lot. I remember the very early days. You had a few key breakers in the space overall. There were only there weren't that many, but the, and and then I think a lot of people looked at it and thought, well, okay, the space is full. I'm not going to bother. How much more can it evolve? But look how it's it's not only evolved in terms of the the kind of the sales strategies and the entertainment value, but it's also evolved in that now there's all these live marketplaces. We've got whatnot, we've got loop, we've got, I hear you hear about Facebook wanting to get into the space. You hear about others that are, that are being created, you know, behind, uh, behind closed doors right now that are going to pop up soon and, and try to gain some market space. So a whole new service has, has sprung up really to support the breakers and so you are you're pretty regular on whatnot nowadays are you is whatnot the only platform that you use now to break well so yeah whatnot has been my home for almost a year now jeremy i was um one of the first instagram breakers to come over there when i came over to whatnot i think a lot of people in the break space on instagram the space i came from recognized the noise that was being made there a lot of them came over, you know, um, a lot of them are there now. Some left, some went back to Instagram, but I break full time on there. I saw the value that whatnot, you know, provided. And let me just say this. It was like, you know, you get a taste of that candy. Once that candy tastes so good, you don't want to go back to the other candy. Well, there was no reason for me to go back to Instagram after I got a taste of whatnot. It provided all the things as a single breaker I was missing out on. I was spending a lot of time on writing labels. It provided my labels in a certain fashion that I couldn't do before in that timely manner. Okay. 
It provided payment, which is a huge issue in the industry of sports card breaking. You need to collect payment to secure in order to pay for the boxes. You have multiple people coming through your feed. A lot of action, a lot of movement. You have to check a website constantly. Check ever how, what shape and form you're collecting this money. Now, whatnot was able to provide that, you know? So it just started clicking all the boxes for all these things. Got there, stayed there, never left. Been there ever since. Have an amazing year on whatnot. Um, provided some real big numbers. I am a single breaker on whatnot. I break single boxes. There's not many breakers on whatnot right now that break only single boxes. A majority of them do all team breaks. It's just the way my channel has been carved on there. I've done what the user has wanted when I'm live. Um, I know people do want to do breaks with me, but my, my demand for personals has grown so large that I go out at nighttime. I'm known as the nighttime breaker. Um, you know, I'm known as the single, I was known as the single man show in the hobby for a long time. Um, I do have help now, Nick. Don't want to lose out on Nick. He's great help to me. But um, listen, I've, uh, this hobby's been a tough thing. You know, I've, I've done everything that I can to grow in as large as I can all by myself to take upon as many things. It just gets to a point you can't anymore. And look, I've stayed on WhatNot because WhatNot was able to allow me to stretch a little more, Jerry. Jeremy allowed me to do more by myself. And look, today I go live by myself at nighttime. Um, I have help with shipping. If I didn't have WhatNot, that wouldn't be possible. Like this. Yeah. No, that's... That's it's good to hear. I mean, you know, they, they obviously saw a gap in the hobby and they they went to fill it and uh, they've, they've done a great job for sure. A uh, couple couple comments that are coming through. Tom Bullard's here says that uh, that was his thought with the book angle, basic, simple kids book. We're talking about Gary V's V friends, anime style cartoon on network TV. No, LOL. Uh, Nicholas here goes, I started watching Jeremy because of Chris and now he's a guest. This is wild. So I'm guessing that he started watching me because you, after the Luber interview, you posted a bunch of stuff to your Instagram. So welcome, welcome to the show, Nick. Great to have you. Lucky K asks everyone to smash that like button. I appreciate that. And uh, Willie T here, this is off topic, but wanted to mention after watching John Wee on the show here uh, two weeks ago, he installed the Center Stage app. Can't speak highly enough about it. Everyone I show it to loves it. Few bugs, but still solid. That's nice, Willie. Yeah, be sure to check out the center stage app everybody download it on your phone it's a really cool way to uh grab some quick quick comps of cards on the fly i actually used it at a card show today so that was uh i used it on an oscar robertson 1961 fleer rookie at the show today and uh it was helpful i did not end up buying the card i bought a different card at the show today but uh, i did use it so cool and thanks for the reminder willie t all right should we talk a little bit? Let me just see. I'm just looking at my notes here quickly. I want to make sure we cover off everything that has to do with you as a breaker, because I do find it fascinating. I know a lot of people are interested in the space, but I think we, we pretty much covered it. Is there, is there anything else that you want to mention or talk about when it comes to your business breaking on whatnot? Anything else there that we might have missed? Um, you know, For the most part, I just want to say this, that a lot of people ask me this, Chris, how do I get into the space? and how do I gain more followers? I think those are the two most asked questions of me as a breaker. So maybe we address those two questions. Um, mm. How do I look and how do I do that or how do I go about it? Um, 
This space is a hard space to get into right now, Jeremy. I'm asked every day how to get on, whatnot. I think that people need to provide content and provide value in a way that maybe people are not doing it now. And I think it comes down to one thing. I want people to recognize that it comes down to the educational aspect. If you could provide education and you could provide value that way, followers will come, people will come, and it will grow. So that's something that is good for the youth in the hobby and something that we need more of. So any of you that are trying to enter this space, any of you that want to get better at the space, do something different than what the others are doing. And I'm telling you right now that the biggest thing that's missing in this space is the double down on education. There's not enough people talking about it. There's not enough people providing it. And I want to remind you something. You don't have to provide education by being the teacher exactly. Remember, something could have gone wrong. By you providing that to somebody, you're providing them a solution to something that won't go wrong in their break or something wrong with them. So... These are all the things that I want to recognize that, you know, that that's how you win at this. That That's how you gain followers. That's how you grow. That's how you be, you know, become a breaker. Look, you need money too, obviously. But let's come up with business plans. A lot of people started off by just opening boxes. They got lucky. People continued to open. It's very easy to run a business when the business is running and bringing in money because it covers all the mistakes. But... When it comes down to it, when business starts getting hard and when people start coming to the room and the cash flow changes up and the boxes aren't being opened at that speed anymore, now we're going to get down to real business. Now we're going to see the real money that's being made. All the mistakes that were there are not going to be hit, hidden by the dollars that are coming in anymore. And this is something that I recognize that happened to a lot of people in this space that's happening now. And I want people to know I'm a breaker. If I can provide any value, please take recognize of the things I just said. Yeah, no, you make a great point, and it's really important for the hobby overall, not just for people wanting to get into the breaker space. It's important for in every every area within our hobby that people who have been here for a while share their knowledge and help people. Because uh, you know we're getting a lot of new people into the hobby in these recent years, and if we can, you know, there, there's something to be said for kind of paying your tuition, but there's something else to be said for helping people minimize the cost of that tuition and mitigate that risk a little bit. So. I, I, I think it's really important. You, you make a great point there. I'm glad you bring it up. I, I collect Ichiro adds on. He says, you know, if you've been in the hobby long enough, sharing your knowledge is one of the absolute best things you can provide. I think that's, that's really well said right there. So let's use some of our experience and knowledge and address Cracked Card Co's comment here. He says, thoughts on non-sports cards like the Eminem and Beyonce 2003 Tops, Top Trumps, 1991 Panini Snoop Dogg sticker rookie, as investments so you know i don't know if this is up your alley at all chris but you know yam wax is famous there's yam wax on instagram he's famous for spotting a lot of these sort of uh oddball or you know non-sport sort of cards rookies rookies if you will of celebrities and i personally i love them i do not have a snoop dog sticker yet but i want one because i love snoop dog so I'm, I'm all down for that the top trumps is an interesting uh it's an interesting product as well i have i have a few cards from there including the elon musk and the warren buffett and i think i also have an adele uh which is just you know just fun to have so as far as investments listen i'm not going to say if i think they're good investments but i think they're awesome collectibles because they are the cardboard 
version of these people who are historical figures, celebrities. So I really like it, but I collect more than just sports cards. What about you, Chris? What are your thoughts on these kinds of, of um, you know, collectibles? Well, you're right up my alley here. Um, I think you heard me say this before. My followers know this. I'm a fan of the oddity. I've been talking about it all 2020, 2021. I was talking about it, but 2022, I've been a strong push at the start of this year to say this was the year of the oddity. This is the year that your lovely hockey becomes very relevant. This is the year soccer, the two sports that nobody wanted to touch become relevant. This is the year golf, tennis, UFC, WWE, F1, all these things outside of non-traditional sports of baseball, basketball, football started becoming relevant. We saw people are doubling down. Star Wars, we're seeing value across the board here. So when it comes to oddity stuff, I love it. Keep thinking along these lines. I think there's huge value out there. I think there's value out there in all types of things. Everything from anything that is culture-based. I want you guys to remind yourselves this. The hobby is not just sports cards. Sports cards is a cultural thing. Anything around those times will become relevant, I believe. I believe Legos from Star Wars to G.I. Joe's to Nintendo to Atari to st- certain stuffed animals. Like all these things. That is today's art. I want you guys to remind yourselves that. So when you talk about the oddity stuff, I love it. I love everything to do with it. I love I- I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep providing anything that I find along you know those lines that there's value there to my people to my followers i've been doing it i was a huge catalyst for ufc when it first came out people thought it wasn't going to do good look at it now 25 plus thousand dollars a case for a novel look at um the oddity f1 uh 20 30 40 000 a case for 2020 i mean jeremy that's insane those are the oddity yeah no for sure and something else i'll, I'll add on to that is that if, if you're someone out there who is looking for, you know, an opportunity either to have to buy something and see its value go up and appreciate, or you just like something that no one else likes right now, it doesn't mean that that won't change in the future. And I can speak from experience. I was buying those Star Wars Wonder Bread cards about six or seven years ago. They're from 1977, 78. They're some of the earliest Star Wars cards. And I had a couple PSA 10s of like a Luke Skywalker, maybe a Darth Vader. I forget what I had. And I bought them for $100 or so each. And I, and you know, five or so years went by, maybe it was three years went by, however many years went by. I don't remember exactly. But I was, you know, going through my collection and deciding, you know, is there anything that I should move and maybe, you know, move out of my PC, raise some money to buy other cards. And those cards hit the chopping block for me. And, you know, five, six years later, they go up in value significantly. And I feel like, hey, I was onto it at one point, but I got impatient with those particular cards. So I moved them out and I missed out a I missed out a value opportunity. Now it's okay. You know, that money went to something else. I'm sure it did just fine. I had fun, whatever it was. But the message is is that there might be something out there that you think is cool right now, but you're the early, you're early to the game. And don't don't let a couple of years or a couple months go by, nobody else notices it and, and get discouraged. I'd, I'd advise you, don't get discouraged. Stick with what you think is cool because there could be a time in the future where other people catch on and now you have something that may have gone up in value and that might be what your goal is. So mission accomplished. All right, 
Let's uh, go to a couple more comments here. Joe Perot says, great show. Hell of a game between Duke and North Carolina. Yeah, so is it's over? Can I? It's over. 1177 UNC. It's UNC Nicholas lets us know UNC wins. Great game. That's good. Thank you. If anyone knows the score, I know no one cares as much. Well, maybe some do because there might be some, some uh, Canadians on. But if anybody knows the score, in my Flames game right now. Let me know the score in the Flames game so I don't have to go look at my phone myself. Love to know. Started about an hour ago. Love to know what the score is there. Justin Vick says, there's a Canadian board game I want just for the trading cards called 1991 Face to Face. That's neat. Cracked is looking for the, oh, Bieber Drake rookie. You're sitting on 11 PSA 10s. Yeah, that's a card. I, I do want that card. I'm, I'm a fan of both Bieber and Drake. They're both Canadians. They're both international superstars. Thank you, Lapper. Appreciate that. 2-2 in the Flames game. That's a great card crack. I'd love to get my hands on, on one of those for the class. See, I was gifted. My buddy, my buddy Ben Carlos gave me a PSA 9, 91 hoops Will Smith card at the National last year. And I'm I've always been a huge fan of Will Smith. But then look what you know how they always say, well, Charizard can't break his can't tear his ACL sort of thing. Well, <laughs> What what could Will Smith do to impact the value of his collectibles? Well, you don't know what it was going to be, but no one thought it would be smacking Chris Ruck on at the at the awards show, right? Never that. Never that. But that that's what happened. So I I'm kind of like I have this Will Smith card, and I'm sort of like ah, uh, you know, I do have a lot of fond memories of watching him in on TV and in movies, but you know, there's a bit of a stain on him right now, and uh, so. That said, Bieber Drake, I, I'd love to get my hands on one of those. But hey, they could do something stupid in the future too that uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you don't still like the car. And I still have great memories of watching Will Smith. So anyway, it's funny how these conversations can go, sometimes taking all sorts of directions, right? Let's uh, let's switch it up again. Let's talk a little bit about the Mint Collective because you were there. And you know, I was walking the floor at a card show today for a couple hours. And a lot of people there said, oh, how was Vegas? How was the show? You know, I didn't go because I didn't think it was for me. I heard all those sorts of comments. I'm curious, what were your, you know, so many people weren't sure what it was going to be. And that's normal. It was the first iteration of this event. It was the first time that there was a thing called the Mint Collective. And I'll, you know, very quickly say that what I, my looking back on it, it was very much a trade show. It was like an industry conference trade show that included a marketplace, also known as a card show. There were actually more card vendors there than I was expecting, but it was so much more than just a card show. So for you, I mean, you're you're a, a breaker, you're a, you're you know, you have rip and wax sports cards. Why did you go to the Mint Collective and uh what were your expectations and, and were they were they met? Well, first off, let's give a shout out to Dave Marino, let's give a shout out to the people that put Mint Collective together. Um, Ray was a big part of that. I know Dave was working with him. Um, Dave's awesome. I spoke to him a lot. Um, you know, first in the beginning, when I first heard of it, I didn't know what it was going to be either in the beginning, Jeremy. But as I got involved in it and spoke to them and started to find out what it was, it seemed like to me that this was going to be an event that me and my buddy spoke about before. It would be more or less like an industry type of trade um, event with, you know, 
a lot of, I, I thought it was going to be a lot of breakers or guys that were like initiated into the hobby heavy, but seeing all the big players in the hobby come to this event and treat it like it was like a mini nationals had that vibe, but I was able to connect with everybody in a way that I wasn't able to connect at nationals was amazing. I mean, hands down, the event was killer. All right. You got to speak to people that you probably didn't get to that one-on-one -on -one time that you did at the nationals because it's just too crazy. There are millions of people, no room, or it's just too loud. You didn't have that problem here. All right. I think they chose a great city. The environment was right after the after you know after the day. You got the hotel. You got entertainment. It was March Madness weekend. Everything was the event, the timing, the locations, um, the big names at the event. It all had a part to play in it, you know. And even the people that put it together, you know, um, I don't think people recognized what it was. I think there was a lot of FOMO out there. People went back and said, "Damn." I wish I went to this show. Unfortunately, now we know for the next one, I think that one's going to be bigger and better. I think you're going to see a lot more people attend it. Um, the one-on-one -on -one time, the connecting, I think on a personal level is what a majority of people will say is that that's what we took away from here that you weren't able to get from other places. Plus, collectively putting everybody together. Uh, it might be one of the first times that we saw PSA, Beckett, SGC, you know, all of them on a stage together speaking about the evolution of grading and where grading is going to go and things that are taking place right now and how they're addressing issues and stuff like that and listening into on this, you know. I don't know of another place besides really the Industry Summit that is remotely along these lines. Yeah, no, I that, that's my takeaway too. You just mentioned the 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 way grading was going. There was a panel on, I think it was titled The Future of Grading. So it was a four it was a four person panel you had and i'll see if i can get everyone's name name right i i, I think you had andy brooms from from csg you had peter steinberg from sgc you had kevin lanane he's the president of psa and then you had also jeremy murray the president of beckett so you had the big four grading companies and and all of their leaders on the stage talking about the future of grading what did you did you were you there for that whole panel? Because I came, I came in, but I only caught the second half. Were you there the whole time? Well, I was there for the whole panel. I thought it was a great panel to listen in on. Um, I thought at the end, some of the questions that were asked to them were some good questions. For instance, the gentleman spoke about population control. Listen, I just want to say this. They buried that. For all you guys out there that think they're controlling population in a certain way like that or or – how about that they're giving boxes and Panini and Tops are giving certain boxes to certain people to open that have the hits in it. Listen, it's a, it, there's too much action, too much going on. It, there would be such delays on things if these type of things were taking place in the hobby constantly. Hearing them and hearing them speak about population control and lay that to rest was a great thing. Um, hearing them talk about, though, and what they're trying to do and catch up the backlog. I believe you heard about that. I like the idea that PSA is saying to us that, you know, they're going to do 80% of that and only 20% of the new cards, if I understood that correctly, Jeremy. Yeah, but that was it. Say, correct? Yep. So I don't, that's one thing I walked away questioning, though. I did a little bit. Is that what's really taking place? Because, Jeremy, I'm grading cards now for $90 and I'm getting them back off quickly. 
a lot of people are grading as well. Well, how are we getting them back so quickly if we're working on 80% of the backlog? Yeah. So there's yeah. a question that I ask myself. But look, overall, these guys, you hear the technology they're entering into this space. You Did we hear Beckett about buying new technology? Did they talk about buying? What was the technology about the scanning of the technology by being able to grade a car, correct? Uh, what I understood, Beckett Beckett made has made two acquisitions. I think one one closed, one is at the at the uh, like LOI stage. But they've they've acquired a company called Knox, and Knox is going to be the new sort of uh, collector experience platform for Beckett. It will be the new website as well. Beckett's website is being completely overhauled. I do believe they ex they expect to have the new site out and fully functional within three months. Um, it's also going to be, so they also announced a vault, which, you know, everyone's getting into the vault game now. And they also announced that this, that along with Knox, they have the, what else, what else, another thing that came with Knox is this NFT technology, where if you have a card in the Beckett vault, it's graded in their vault, you can now, they will now issue you an NFT for that card. And that NFT is going to be in the form of a QR code. So if you scan the QR code, it will take you to the card. You can now sell that, at, I believe, you can now sell that NFT for either cash or crypto. Crypto, they're going to be using OpenSea as a marketplace. And if you sell your NFT, you've now sold the card underlying it as well. So it's basically the NFT has become a form of title or a form of deed to the card, which, I mean, I actually said that on this show several months ago, that that's how I can see NFTs attaching to cards. And I wasn't alone thinking of that. Some people are way ahead of me and actually are, are making it happen such that they've even had a, a liquidity event and sold their business to uh, to Beckett. So congratulations to Knox. It's N-O-X-X. -X. Congratulations to Knox for that. And then they've also acquired Due Dilly, which I think is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Due Dilly. Yeah. You take a picture of the front and the back of your card with your phone. It uploads to their app, their back end. They process it and they grade, they pre-grade the card remotely based on images you send them. And they use terminologies like a heat map Doppler radar sort of imaging that this technology uh, can produce. So I'm still not, I need to see it to really believe it, but I'm not saying it's, it, it isn't happening. I'm just saying I can't in my own head understand how, how you can grade a card on surface based on images, but they say they can do it. So I guess we'll see. Um, I guess we will see. I heard that. I guess taking pictures of maybe a PSA 10 Zion and not taking just one 10, but having a hundred different tens and taking all those pictures and building that catalog and building the algorithm, then the nines and then going to BGS and taking the tens and the nine fives and the nines. I guess if you start taking multiples of these, the algorithm gets smarter over time. It can start to, you know, recognize those things. Listen, I'm intrigued by that though. At the end of the day, Jeremy, I would love to pull out my phone right then and there and know the grade of the card I'm going to get. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? I think it's awesome that we're thinking about those things. But it's always going to have a parameter. It can't be perfect. Um, how could a phone scan something? And now Beckett has to give me that grade. That's the thing I'm worried about is the transparency factor there on whatever they say it's going to be. Now, how does that get implemented into the actual grade that we're going to get? You know? Right. Yeah. I, it's similar to me to their raw card review where they'll give you a raw card review, 
But if you take that card away from their booth at the card show and and then try to resubmit it, you're no longer guaranteed the grade that the raw card review awarded. So I sure. can see that being a similar sort of thing where the hobby just has to understand that, yeah, you might get a due dilly score of a, of a nine, but Beckett's not going to automatically award that. It's more of just a, a bit of an indicator to you as to whether or not it might be worthwhile to send in. Who know? Who knows what's going to come of that? We need to... I don't want to judge it now because I don't completely understand it. Even though I was at the event where they where they announced it for the first time, that was a Thursday night. Beckett had a VIP party, and I luckily got an invitation thanks to uh, to John, the basketball card guy. But um, that it was it was a fun event. They announced it, and I it was some of it was over my head, but I want to see it in action, and I want to understand it before I I really judge it favorably or unfavorably because i i will admit i just don't completely understand how it's going to work but yeah that's that's something that came out of the mint collective was beckett's uh handful of announcements the other thing that they made clear was that you know they understand that the beckett brand has stagnated and that they sort of dropped the ball on advancing technology for the last 25 years uh and there's a new interim ceo in play seems like a very sharp guy his name is justin he agreed to come on the show with me in the future real sharp guy, uh, really impressed me. So, you know, I think that they're going to be able to not only salvage the brand to the degree that it needs to be in respect for Dr. Beckett, who created it, and in respect to the hobby, because the Beckett brand is synonymous with the hobby for so many of us. The fact that they are actually kind of realizing that they let it slip a bit, and it's time to get it back to the stature that it has been at for so long and deserves to be at, gives me faith that they will make make that happen. Hopefully they will. And uh, that brand will continue to live on. And um, speaking of Dr. Beckett, he will be my guest tomorrow night on Collectible Live. And we're going to go over the Mint Collective from his perspective. We're going to talk about the Beckett rebrand and the launch and the announcement. So if anyone's interested to hear, now keep in mind, Dr. Beckett has not owned Beckett for 15 years, I think 17 years now. So if anyone's interested in his thoughts on what's been going on with the brand, I, I don't know how, how in-depth he'll get, but I'm sure he'll talk a little bit about it because he's aware of what in the of the directions that they're moving, as well as the Mint Collective overall. I saw him there. He was there the whole time. So we'll get his perspective on that tomorrow on Collectible Live. I'll just throw that up on the ticker right now. Collectible Live tomorrow, 7 o'clock Eastern on their YouTube channel, which is, is youtube.com slash collectible app. So uh, please join us tomorrow night when we're doing that on that. Yeah, so that should be that should be good. It'll be interesting to hear uh, his thoughts on, on all of it. So but back to the grading, uh, the grading panel. I thought it was very informative. I think there was some talk about AI grading. We'll see how the different how the, how the four companies really uh, implement whatever form or level of AI grading that they have available to them. There were two companies that 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 sort of launched at the show that are computer type grading or, or mechanical grading or I don't know, you know just, just tech, technology type grading. And we had a we had rare AGS AG, AGS I believe yeah. I saw. Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. AGS I wanted to say. Yeah, you're right. AGS was one of them. They were there. They had two of their their grading boxes. Uh, those are the only two they have in their business. I asked the question. So they're, they're kind of just getting rolling, I guess. And they're only doing Pokemon and maybe some other TCG categories right now, but, or, or brands, but they're not doing sports cards yet. They plan to. So they've really got some scaling to do to, 
to be able to really make any sort of a, a dent in the market because they only have two machines that can do one card at a time right now. And then the other one was Rare Edition. And Rare Edition is, I mean, they didn't have their grading technology on site, but they did have their slab on site. They do have an impressive slab. It's almost identical to an iPhone. Uh, it, it's a very heavy duty, very heavy slab. So not something where I'd want to have, uh, you know, like a, a two row shoe box filled with them. I don't think I, you know, it'd be hard to lift, but it's very, definitely an option for, you know, higher end cards, that sort of thing. I, I would, I would have to think, but we'll see how these companies do once they're launched and they're taking submissions. What are your thoughts on, on these, on these sorts of things? So I've been a huge fan of rare from the very beginning, um, for my followers and people that follow me and, Jeremy, if we would have got to know each other a little while ago, you would have saw that I was talking about Rare. As soon as I found out about it, I reached out to them, spoke to them a little bit. I liked the idea. And first thing that came to my head was the slab. Love the idea of the slab. Love the shape of it. Love the durability of it. Love the tracking ability. Um, I kept asking myself around two years ago is, when are we going to put an RFDI chip in a slab? When are we going to be able to pull a slab and scan it in the back of our phone and be able to track that slab wherever it goes? You know, when is that technology going to come? So when I found out there was a company thinking about that and they came to life and, you know, I saw the phone looking like an iPhone. It also had, I think, like some type of protection that iPhones are using as well, like some type of Kevlar protection around the sides in case it drops, um, type of glass they were using or the plastic they were using on it. All those things intrigued me. But it wasn't just that. It was the fact of putting my slab in something better than a 75-cent piece of plastic. Because at the end of the day, I still think at times, like, why is a million-dollar card in a 75-cent piece of PSA plastic? Yeah. Should PSA have this high-end elite slab by now? Shouldn't they have, like, that elite rare slab that Rare came out with? You know, you were saying you don't want to carry around 100 of them, but... Wouldn't you want your $50,000 whatever card it was, Ovechkin rookie, inside one of those slabs? And you just had one of them, but it was that slab. So I think, you know, I think part of the BGS and TSA missed out on having that high-end slab for the looks, durability, and there is a demand for it. And then when I look at Rare and I look at these other companies, Rare came to my attention by thinking about them as, you know, the company Supreme. Supreme puts their name on everything, Jeremy. They're very hype. If Rare would be able to come the Supreme of grading, then people would use Rare for all the high-end stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. No, I think you're right. It's funny when you when you break it down so sim simply as to say, why are there million-dollar cards inside 75-cent pieces of plastic? And, you know, I've got a lot of cards in PSA slabs, and I think they look nice, but the slabs are not that they're just not substantial at all. They're, they're pretty flimsy overall, you know? So it does, it does make sense. And you got to wonder why they, you know, if they're going, if they're going to up the slab game at all, at some point, especially now that we're seeing some competitors come into the space with, with, you know, soup, souped up uh, slabs, if you will. So really interesting stuff. I think Skeppy, uh, Skeppy jumps in and first of all, yeah, we are back at it. Good to have you here goes on to say that uh, it says, I don't think you can have trackable slabs for all kinds of legal and privacy reasons. So perhaps there's something to that. I think that talks to your RFDI comment earlier. Uh, Tom Newman says there, I think he's talking about uh, AGS, says their grading computer looked old as, as hell. 
I mean, I saw it, but I think, you know, it's just, it was a box with, with a, with a, a platform for the card to sit on and it kind of went under a laser and turned around and went under the laser again. So we'll see. I got to say, I love all this chat about ranking, ranking all time favorite Canadians. And I see I'm falling like fifth for some people here. I think someone said I was, Oh, here we go. Alf says I'm in the top 15. That's too funny. Yeah. Among, among the people that watch this show, that's it. That's it. Here, Justin says, Jeremy is climbing up my favorite Canadian power rankings. He currently ranks fifth. Too funny. Cracked is offering to produce the Jeremy Lee Canadian GOAT rookie card if I agree to sign 5,000 cards first. <laughs> going to break my hand, man. 5,000 cards. I'm no uh, I'm no basketball player, hockey player, be able to sign that many. But I appreciate these comments are pretty funny. goes on to say, Jay Lee Friends Dutch Auction coming soon. Official Jay Lee Sketch Cards and YouTube worn T-shirt cards. Hilarious. Thanks for the update on the Flames game, Lapper. Appreciate that. Big Baller Brand Slabs Baby says Justin Vick. Tom Newman likes the idea about having a premium PSA slab. Alf Godet says, I want AI to authenticate my cards, humans to grade it. Interesting comment from Alf right there. And I can see we got Eddie from Investicard. And yes, Eddie, we are live. We are live, my man. We are live. Eddie hosted a nice party on Friday night at the uh, at the Mint in a nice uh, penthouse at Planet Hollywood. Thanks again to Eddie for hosting that. And I said to him, you know, he's the only person that I'm aware of that kind of hosted a party outside of the Mint Collective itself. There was a Thursday night, sorry, uh, Friday night reception on the show floor itself, there were cocktails and there were hors d'oeuvres. It was really nice. And then Saturday night was the big party at the uh, at the Hackasan, which was a lot of fun. Paul Pierce was there. Um, I think Emmett Smith was there. A couple of others. It was it was cool. I mean, Peyton Manning was at this thing too. Jerry Rice was at this event. It was pretty cool. But Eddie actually it actually organized an event to bring some hobbyists together outside of the, the regular show hour. So I, I gave Eddie kudos on that for sure. What is that? Lapper says, if Jeremy sits down and has a beer with me at the next expo, he dramatically climbs the rankings. Consider it done, Lapper. Consider it done. <laughs> Definitely. Investicards. Eddie says, Chris is one of the hardest hobby hustlers in the game. That, there you go, Chris. You know what? And you're, you're, you're working hard is what I gather from, from it all. So kudos to you. Uh-oh, I don't like that at all. Flames are down three to two. <laughs> Mood changing slabs. Value goes up as they as they then golden and down they turn brown. I get it. The, I think what he like the old, old mood rings from the old days, you know, as you get happy, the mood ring changes to a brighter say as the value goes down, the 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 slab turns more gold. As it as the value goes down, it turns more brown. So <laughs> Interesting idea there, Cracked Card Co. Anything else on the Mint Collective, Chris, that uh, stick out to you? Like, were you able to meet a lot of people and get everything done that you wanted to get done? Yeah, you know, I, I think I said before that I was able to talk to a lot of the ones I wanted to speak to. Um, I want to mention that PWCC's booth was awesome. Loved it. Let's talk about Mint Collectibles booth. I love the fact that Mint had an amazing booth. The cards they put in it. Um, Mint gave me the opportunity to break for the kids. Um, I was able to go to the stage and there was wax that was donated and I was able to go round up kids at the show 
I was able to take another great friend of mine by the name of Michael, DR Rips. And Daddy Rips was able to come on stage with me. We were able to break cards for kids. It was amazing. We had a whole group around us. Um, I was also able to fill in and do some of the grail chase. And, you know, it was kind of spontaneous real quick. I was walking by, needed a little help. So I got the break for the grail chase a little bit. But collectibles, um, eBay's booth, amazing seeing that. Um, let's talk about Whatnot's booth, having the breakers up there breaking, providing the show, the claw machine. The kids loved it. Going up, grabbing the blaster boxes. Um, just overall, everything, you know, it was just... It was all the right mix. I believe they thought how to strategically put everything in the right place. You could tell eBay was the big front and center, the big, you know, and the collectible in the back. Like, I just loved it. Everything about the show, you know, I came away from the show feeling enriched of the hobby again, feeling re-energized, feeling like, yes, this is why I'm doing this, you know? So it was a great thing. It's interesting. You know, you mentioned you came away feeling sort of, reinvigorated or even more energy to, to for the hobby and i think someone said to me at the mint collective someone who i would trust to know that to, to, to give me a, a good sort of assessment of what of the statistic i'm about to tell you but he said to me that he would guess that 95 of the top 100 people in the hobby were at the mint collective so obviously that's going to be a subjective list and everyone might have a different list and ranking and all that but that doesn't matter the fact, just the the intention, the, the point of that comment is that the Mint Collective was like every, I'm going to, you know, everyone was there. Obviously not everyone was there, but so many people were there who are influential in the hobby, whether it's, you know, content creators to CEOs of the companies in the space, to high-end collectors, to top-end dealers and vendors, card single slingers, you know, that kind of thing, to breakers to LCS owners, like the ho the hobby was so well represented at this thing. Um, I, I think that, I think that, you know, a lot of people going into it who, who weren't planning to go, I heard a lot of comments like, oh, why don't, you know, there's all these panels with, with all these people on these different panels. Why do I need to go there? I can see everybody on YouTube. Well, my response to that is not everybody watches the same YouTube programming that you watch. Not everybody is engrossed into the hobby the way a lot of us are, right? We're not all immersed into it to the same degree. And there's a lot of new people coming into the hobby who don't watch YouTube, let's say, or listen to the same podcast. So it was a great opportunity for so many more, so, so many new people to come in and just get this quick accelerated immersion course into the hobby if they were to attend all these different panels. So there was so much more to it than just, uh, let's let's rehash the same old people and the same old content there was uh the panels that i sat in on were extremely interesting the ones that i moderated one and i participated in another and uh i even the one i participated in i was sitting back just listening and learning from the other participants on the on the panel the one that i moderated on got to meet those people uh, eric myers was on i've known eric myers but we had leighton sheldon on the panel that i was on I'm aware of Leighton Sheldon, but I'd never really met him. And now it's like, this guy's awesome. I really enjoyed having him on. And Cage from Lucas Tigers and Bronze, Cage Lawyer, as he's well known. I do have his real name. I think it's Matt, but uh, he might kill me for, for outing his name. But, um, you know, a great guy and someone with a ton of personality. We had, it was a great discussion. I was always, I was just like 
listening to what they were saying to all the different questions we were talking about it was very interesting is my point it's not that it's you know there's something there for everybody i would have to say and moving forward they're just going to make it better and better because they're open to feedback and uh, they've already been soliciting feedback so you can be planning to go next year absolutely i think next year is going to be even bigger and better i think there was a lot of fomo i think all the people saw how much fun we had and how much connecting there was i think next year you will see the 99 and the 100 and the hobby there. I like that someone said that. I get what they mean by that. Yes, Jeremy, there's a few people that obviously were not there that couldn't make it for some reason that belong on that list. But when someone says that to you, that there was 95 or the 100 most meaningful people in the hobby that were there that like to belong there, I believe that statement was true. I believe that, yeah, that was the in place to be. And the ones that took opportunity got there and I think everybody was happy that they were there and recognized that, you know, hey, wait, hold on. This is what I think happened. I think when people started finding out who was going, a week or two prior to it, a lot of people started going, Jeremy. Yeah. I think that, that took place. But, yes, I'm going to go next year. I think it gets bigger and better. Um, I think they knew exactly what they were doing. They performed a great show. i like to see it again in Las Vegas, same hotel. Um, and just, you know, continue to, hopefully the experience can stay, um, relatively, I'm going to say small, but, you know, being able to access everything the way you were at this, I hope that stays that way so others can enjoy it. But yeah, I'm definitely going to go again. I, I, yeah. I collective, I loved everything about it. Yeah. Same here. I sure did too. Okay. We're going to go through some comments. We're. We're coming up on an hour 40 so we'll go through a few more comments and then and then we'll wind this uh we'll wind this down so um but we have a lot of comments i want to get to so we're going to start with this one right here eddie from investacard says can you give your thoughts on liquidity in the hobby with breakers and how that needs to be serviced and i you know i bring this up because we talked about liquidity in the hobby earlier and how you're addressing it yourself you want to just make some comments on that Huh, there are some breakers that need money out there. How can we provide a service of liquidity to these breakers? Well, at the end of the day, some of these breakers are collectors. I've been saying this over and over again, and this is no way to push what Eddie's doing. But listen, Eddie's providing a service. If you're a breaker out there and you have some cards that you don't want, maybe talk to Eddie. Maybe he could provide you some money for those cards, and then you can pour it in the wax and turn it into your table. But yes, finding a way maybe for some of these breakers, because at the end of the day, with the money they have allows them to obtain a product, allows them to buy. Buying smart, buying early, pre-buying, buying extra, holding. These are all variables in winning in this. If you can only do one, buy and just sell, you're not just going to – you need to hit the other marks here. I'm telling you. It's a multifaceted thing. So it's a tough thing, man. How do you get money into these guys' hands without them being able to give you something you know, I mean, it's tough, man. It's tough to figure out how to do that without them actually having substance of some right. sort. So that's a tough thing. Well, Eddie, Eddie just launched CardFi, his uh, his card funding service. So check out CardFi, everybody, if that's something that you could use. Uh, Dave Boliton says, it looked like a nice trade show, but I wouldn't confuse the top 100 with the bread and butter collectors that ultimately drive demand. Yeah, nobody's making that confusion, Dave. What you're saying, that's basically the same thing as saying, you know, you look at the Forbes top 100 business business people, or never mind, you look at the top 100 people in 
professional baseball, that list comes out every year. I don't think there's a single fan on that list. So it's a completely different thing. You're missing the spirit of it, if, you know, with a comment like that, Dave. But I understand. And trust me, we should never, ever uh, undervalue the importance of us collectors because without without us, those 100 people mean nothing. They don't have a job. So that's, you know, there's no confusing that. The comment was more about the people who are at the top of the industry and providing the products and services to the industry. It had nothing to do with the collectors. But, you know, if you're talking about the caliber of collectors, I I can't tell you who a billionaire is just from them walking by my table. But I was told that there were a few of these like billionaire type collectors walking the show floor buying cars. Now, I didn't sell any cars like that, so I don't know that I met them, probably saw them, but I can't pick them out from a crowd. So uh, I think we had a lot of the high end collectors there as well. And to get to but uh, to Dave's comment, you know, a list of. I don't want to have to put a top 100 list together of collectors, but go to the national. That's where you're going to see, you know, probably 900 of the top 1,000 collectors, uh, at least in North America, if not the world, at that show. But uh, but the comment itself, yeah, that it's kind of apples and oranges in my opinion. Um, what you're getting at there, Dave. But thank you for the comment. Uh, Corey says, <laughs> I love this. Playing off of Eddie's comment, can Chris give you? Can Chris give his thoughts on displaying your cards in the hobby and how that can be done? <laughs> Eddie always branding. Corey owns Show Your Slabs makes some amazing display pieces for uh, for people to show their 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 cards off. And um, he has something coming for me actually to, to display my nine letter nameplate soon for Dale for Howard Chuck. So I'm excited for that. But how do how about you? Do you do your customers ever like? Do you ever get into the supplies game or the display game, or are you simply just the cards, Chris? So I, I, I've been very good friends with Corey. I love what Corey does. I love the displays he came out with. I have one of them. I love that opportunity to display your card. At the end of the day, we're collectors. We want to show these things off. What's better than be able to do that? So him capturing that space, seeing that space became relevant. I love it. Seeing the little stand-up display. His other buddy with those. I love those. Um, yeah. I, 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 I like it. I think that we all recognize that there's it's there. Others like it, and you know, it's it's something that you know, I think every collector needs a way to show off their card or something. So it just comes down to how you're gonna do that, you know, in a, yeah. like a wall type of stand like Corey makes, or like I mean, he does all types of things. Now look how he introduced the player into the back, or the different ways he can, you know, lay the card on the plexiglass. Listen, I, I, I'm a grassroots type of guy. I mean, what he built was out of nothing. It was an idea to cater you know what? to us. And I loved it. And it catered to sports cards. Nobody else was thinking that at the time. So more power to him. I love that he came up with it. And I've got to tell you, nobody works as hard to set up their booth as this guy does. I mean, oh, I he's making trips to Home Depot, you know, in the hours leading up to the show to make sure that his booth looks just perfect. So kudos to Corey and the effort that he puts in to his business and the hobby in general. I uh, saw uh, Scott wants to know, did I get my Jordan card back? I did not, unfortunately, I did not get my Jordan card back, but uh, the new owner is uh, very happy with it and I hope that he enjoys it very, very much. Uh, Bobby Burrell, uh, yes, I will be having Leighton and Cage on the show. Definitely, these are, these are some great guys in the hobby, great hobby ambassadors. They will definitely be coming on the show. Thank you for asking that, definitely. Uh, yeah, we'll skip, we won't get into that. Thank you, Eric Stefano. Great. Rolling with FD in the house. Sorry, 
I don't want to cut off Eric Stefano. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for dropping the comment, Eric. Rolling with FD in the house. Yes, it was great to meet you and your son, FD, at the show. And I've uh, been watching some of your content ever since. Keep up the great work, buddy. Rolling FD. Check out his YouTube channel for sure. Joe Perot says, Leighton graciously looked over one of my vintage cards, appreciated his time and insights. Yeah, Leighton, as Richard goes on to say, is a class act in the hobby. One of the most uh, just knowledgeable people when it comes to vintage. He's the owner of Vintage Breaks. And, uh, and uh, sorry, Leighton, it's, I'm, 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 uh, I'm having a Vintage Breaks. And someone remind me, please. Please remind me. You bet, Eddie. You're, you're welcome for the, for the to the show. Oh, it's only the end of two, three, two, St. Louis after two. Okay, good to know. Eddie, you're welcome for the shout out. We have Jeremy number two from Collectors League in the house. Good evening, Jeremy. Great to see you, Dave Kaplan. What is going on? And Skeppy says the hope is that what, the 100 people at the top are like sponges and taking as much as they can. The hobby will certainly need the ideas and innovation that they can provide. Just Collect. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. That is correct. Leighton Sheldon is the owner of Just Collect and Vintage Breaks. And yeah, back to back to Skeppy's comment here. I'll tell you, I know that uh, Josh Luber, who's definitely one of the top, you know, most influential or important people in the hobby right now, he was taking meetings throughout this show with owners of card shops so that he could hear their concerns and, and try to find ways to work. I, listen, I didn't sit on these, so I'm speculating when, I, when I'm saying that he was what he was doing in them but he was giving them their time, giving them his ear. And you got to think this guy is doing some listening. So very, uh, very uh, encouraged by that. All right. I just need a break. I've been talking for a while here. Anything else? Anything else? Listen, we're, we can wrap this up. But Chris, is there anything else that we haven't touched on yet that you'd like to talk about? You know, overall, Jeremy, there's so much to talk about in this hobby. I just want to tell you again, I'm grateful for the opportunity to come on here, share a little bit of my story, allow others to connect with me a little bit, allow you to ask me some of the questions. I think overall, you know, if there's any questions in the break space, anything that's taken place over the past two, three years, if you have anything, listen, if it didn't get covered here, take the time to DM me. I'm out here trying to help. I'm trying to grow, I'm trying to be an asset to others in this community trying to be an asset into the vision of what fanatics and tops is going to grow i'm trying to collaborate with others i love to come back on this show sometime i love for others to be able to come up with questions that maybe they have a breaker like myself um and again if there's any way for me to ever help my thing is to provide education if anybody can watch anything that i do and take something from it you know please just recognize that you know i've lost to win in this space I recognize that I had to grow a break brand. I would lose to win in the space. I think people recognize what I mean by that. So give a little bit to take a little bit, give a little bit to win a little bit. Recognize that your followers, you know, make you. Okay. So if you're a breaker, even a sports card shop owner, your customers, your engagement, your audience, make sure you're grooming it properly. Make sure you're taking care of them properly. Make sure you're recognizing them properly. At the end of the day, they make you who you are. And just identify that, you know. So if there's anything that you guys can take away from me, look, I'm a guy who's constantly trying to learn. I don't know anything in this space besides the stuff that I take the time to either fail at and learn to create the solution to or take the time to, you know, spend 
hours on YouTube, hours learning stuff, just like anybody else. We're in the Wild West. This is a new space. We're paving the new foundation. Let's continue to stack the bricks on this foundation and make it grow. I think what we're going to see Luber and Fanatics them do is going to be absolutely remarkable. Um, my ambitions and the way I can see things are, you know, I the dreams are big. I want others to dream big. I think we can take this space to a whole new level. I think the opportunities are priceless. I think things are going to start moving fast. Strap in. Um, I love the show. Grateful to come on here anytime again. Again, the hobby's growing. One last thing. You can never know everything in this hobby. Pick small pieces and learn those pieces, okay? Or learn something by tapping into Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. There's so many social media and forefronts and platforms to use to grab this data and this information from. Be smart in today's hobby, okay? Weigh pros and cons. You want to be a breaker? Go take five things from the top five breakers you like and implement them and then create yourself, okay? Be smart here. All right, that's it. And I appreciate it, dude. I loved every minute of it. Hey, man. It, uh, those, those are some real wise words there. So I appreciate you sharing those with the audience. Um, yeah, it, that, that's great. I'm not even going to wrap that up for you. I'm going to go to a few more comments as we, as we do uh, close out the show. want to thank everybody for, for joining us tonight. I'm, it's been an honor to bring Chris on and introduce him to anyone here who wasn't familiar with him yet. You can follow him on Instagram at Rip and Wax and on TikTok at Rip and Wax 2. It's on the ticker right now. Again, tomorrow night on Collectible Live, my guest will be Dr. Beckett. That is on the Collectible TV YouTube channel. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, he's always got some great insights. Also, the name of his podcast, Dr. Beckett's uh, Sport Card Insights. So to round out, to close out the show, Bobby Burrell says he's known Leighton Sheldon for 20 years. He advertised his company, Just Collect, in Bobby's 2006 price guide. Very cool. Goes on to say, Chris Rocks. That is in that is a reference to you, Chris, not Chris Rock. Beavis Cards, thanks for the content. Another great guest. Can you email Backyard Breakers? All that advice, LOL. Jeremy, let's go, let's go. Justin Vick says, great mindset, good show. Time for me to have Beyonce dreams. And a wave cap. Has Jeremy ever worn a wave cap? What's a wave cap? Well, no, me and Jeremy are bold. What do we need wave caps for? There we go. <laughs> we don't have to be wearing this. Yeah, we're okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Merle World joins the show. Rise and shine too late. Missed the show. Welcome to the show, Merle World Cards Canada. Someone asked, actually, someone I didn't get to the comments. Someone asked about Merle World earlier on. Um, I'm not going to be able to find the comment now, but I apologize. Couldn't get to them all today, but, uh, that's going to be it. Everybody. Thank you for joining the show tonight, Chris, a pleasure to have you, man. You are a bright light in the hobby. You are, you, I seem, you seem to be a very professional breaker and, uh, you know, whatnot's lucky to have you on there. And I think the hobby's great to have you. So awesome. Thank you for joining us. That, Rich says every guy in clubhouse wears a wave cap. I gotta, I gotta go and come out and find out what this is, what this is about, because I'm in the dark on it. Rich, fill me in, please, a little bit later. Chris, I'm, like, hang... I'm a little wondering what's going on as well with the wave cap thing, but whatever. We'll find out later. Hey, one last time, thank you so much, man. Let's continue to make this hobby grow. Sky's the limit, man. Sky's the absolute limit here, and I look forward to seeing all you guys. Come say hello. It does feel like sky's the limit, especially after all the all the positive stuff that came out of the main collective. No after hours tonight, guys. We'll see y'all 
next week, maybe, because as I said at the beginning, I do have a, a party I can't get out of next Saturday night. So we'll see if we do an alternative night instead. Keep posted, keep watching the channel, the YouTube, the, the Facebook group, my Instagram and all that. Chris, hang tight right there. Everybody else, thanks again for joining. This show, this episode of Sports Cards Live is over. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.